the Oyster Stew podcast, where we discuss what's happening in the industry based on what we see as we work with regulators and clients. Oyster consultants are industry practitioners. We aren't career consultants. We've done your job and we know the issues you face. You can learn more about Oyster Consulting and the value we can add to your firm by going to our website, oysterllc.com. Welcome to Regulators Behind the Scenes, an Oyster podcast mini-series. I'm Patrick Dennis, General Counsel of Oyster Consulting, and with me are other former regulators who are now working for Oyster. Jeffrey Hiller, former SEC Enforcement Senior Counsel and COO and CCO of several national advisory firms, including Merrill Lynch and Morgan Stanley. Ed Wagoner, who spent over 20 years at FINRA and left about nine months ago as Senior Vice President and Regional Office Manager for FINRA's Midwest region. Evan Rosser, also a former FINRA regulator for over 20 years, and Bill Riley, a State of Florida regulator with, for over 30 years. I, Patrick Dennis, was at the SEC in Washington as well in both Corp Fin and uh, the Division of Enforcement for eight and a half years. Let's jump in. In this segment, we're going to talk about exam document requests and the importance of good communications with the regulators. Let's talk about actually how you manage the exam, how you deal with that document request, and how you can how you can um, work with it and work with the regulators on those kind of things. I mean, it's certainly been my experience that the, the best way to do this to assign a single point of contact or a single point person in connection with regulators, all of the requests come to that person, all of the requests for interviews, all of the additional document requests, all the need for clarification. It's best if you can do it with, have it one person that manages the, the entire exam for your firm, whether that's the CCO or in-house legal or however you wanna do it. But that's certainly been my experience, but would love to hear your thoughts on that. Just add his thoughts on that. So I, I think you're you're right, Patrick. Having a point person is really important. The regulators generally are assigning a point person for the examination, and they'll usually announce who that is in their introductory letter. And doing that early is important too, because the document requests start now, not when they show up on site, but several weeks before they show up on site. So what you're going to see are requests being made electronically the expectation that documents are provided electronically back in advance of the examiners showing up on site so that they can do those types of analytics that we were talking about earlier. So assigning a point person at the time the examination is announced is, is critical. Uh, but one nice thing about the fact that they, the records are being produced electronically is it makes it so much easier to manage document requests because I remember when we would do exams and we would be requesting them, uh, some via paper, some via email, um, some in person, that it would get very difficult to keep track of all that. And then when firms would re respond, knowing what's been responded to often was an area that we would have um, discussions about. Because those things are provided electronically now, you can see exactly what was requested, you can see what was responded to, when it was responded to, by whom, and I think that that makes that part of the examination go much better. 
Thanks, Ed. Um, I would say on that point that uh, I think naming a point person and having that individual uh, create good rapport with the examiners is probably one of the most important things uh, you're going to be confronted with. Um, it's my practice has always been to uh, meet with them every day for five minutes to make sure that we're on prog on target, that we're getting the documents we need. If there is something that we changed our minds about, or they said you don't have to produce X amount, you can produce Y, that we document that and go over it in the morning. And so a good point person with good communication skills is probably one of the most important things at the outset of an examination. Yeah, I would agree with you. I remember, you know, 20 plus years ago before everything was produced electronically, you had different um, different ideas or different concepts on how to produce documents. And some folks would do it, you know, in binders segregated by the request and, and be very, very organized. And we're, we're very proud of how well they organized everything. And I remember working with some other folks and uh, other clients that literally just would put it all in a box and say, here it is, and let the regulators try and sort through it all. Um, I'm not sure that that, you know, um, uh, was necessarily a good idea, but that was their thought of they're coming in and they asked for it, here it is, and I don't need to organize it for them or anything else. But I think all you're doing is, is making life more complicated for them and that making efficient use of their time is helpful as well. But if we could talk a little bit about the data that people are asking for, how they're doing it, how we can do that, and how you can organize that kind of stuff would be helpful. Evan, thoughts? Yeah, um, you know, going back to that point person and on the data production, you want that point person to understand what's being produced so that what is being produced to the regulators is in fact responsive to the regulator's request. And a lot of times the regulators, and I think they should do this, they should ask you to provide an index or some other document so you so they can tell what you're producing in response to what request. So they don't have to go through and figure out, well, is this responsive to the item A or B or C? The other thing too, and, and I can I'll address this from a FINRA standpoint. FINRA has very broad jurisdiction. However, its jurisdiction does have limits. They are, they're limited to broker-dealer records. However, there are a lot of documents that they feel are within their purview and are related to the broker-dealer. And my only point on that would be, you can certainly ask why they want certain documents. What's their basis for asking for certain documents? But I would not get into a jurisdictional debate on certain documents with any regulator without the advice of counsel. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. I think historically, I would say that the SEC and, the, and FINRA are a little bit different. The SEC turns, tends to stick to the federal rules of evidence and doesn't ask you to create documents. If you have them, you have to produce them, but you're not required to create them. FINRA for a while, and I don't know that they're still doing this, but we're, we're very happy to ask you to create a document in a specific format, including all this specific information. And so they could easily manipulate that data to figure out you know, what they wanted or get what information they wanted out of it. 
So it is a little bit challenging, but I think, you know, you do have a right to ask what the document, what, why they're asking for it and everything else. But I would certainly caution you that if it's one of the firm's required books and records, you, you better have it instead of asking why they want it. Jeffrey, your thoughts? No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think that you want to review every one of these documents before you submit them to the SEC, because you need to know what you're saying in addition to what you're telling them. And it has it would not be unusual for any firm uh, to, in the course of producing documents, to find an exception. Well, maybe they reviewed everybody. They got all 99.9% of their certifications back, but they were missing one. You're going to find stuff like that. Just note it. Note that you found it. Correct it. Tell them that you corrected it. And so my experience has been really a lot of candor. And there are firms that uh, have said, well, we're going to say that attorney-client privilege asserts to uh, our internal audit, internal audit records or whatever. I, I would be very cautious in what I would withhold and what I would give them in terms of I would try to be as cooperative as possible work with your counsel to, to favor disclosure and transparency over not, but I think you do need to uh, talk with counsel. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit in terms of, in terms of, you know, if you find a problem or if you realize, as you said, you know, you didn't get all the certifications back that you thought you did, what, what's the best approach here? Bill, your thoughts? I think it's important that when that when records are requested and not provided, what's what's the best angle here? And I think one of the things that in order to to be able to do that is you want to so you can go to your thing Jeff mentioned about going to your counsel. One of the things you want to make sure is that you have a clear understanding that you know the records that are being provided, the firm understands. I mean, uh, if someone comes out and says, for example, we want to look at your PNS water and you know firm will say, well, we don't have a PNS water. We have a form 7248.73 or, or something like that. Okay. So I think it's very important for the regulator and the firm to have a good understanding of an overview of, of those records. And I think if records are, you know, are not provided, maybe there's a misunderstanding. Again, you want to make sure that the regulator and the firm are talking the same language. If there's a question as to why a record was or was not provided, I think there needs to be a conversation. You know, we asked for this record uh, or a record that contains the following information, okay? Because one of the things that a regulator is going to do, if a record is, is not produced and it's a required record. Now, I will tell you too, there are a couple of states out there that are able to request records that may not be contained within the, the, the records uh, under SEC uh, 17, A3, and A4, and also on the advisor side, uh, you know, that need to be provided. So it's a good idea for the firms to have an understanding of the requirements, take a look at the document request, and be prepared to discuss with counsel as to why a record was or was not produced. Usually, I have a spreadsheet where some columns the regulators can see, and some columns the regulators cannot see. But the one column, they, one of the columns they see is item number 17, you requested X. Then there'll be a, a, a row on, on 
June 20th, we agreed that we could hone the request and make it the following. And so I have a record of that. And to the extent I find things before the SEC or the FINRA or any regulator comes in, depending on the nature and scope, I would say 99 times out of 100, I would say to them during the course at our opening meeting, during the course of producing the documents, we found these uh, exceptions, we've corrected them. If during the course of the exam you find anything and you can let us know our policy, correct them before you leave because we know that there are human error. We try to fix a quote quickly. And so you can use that to your benefit. And I think you gain credibility up front if you can have that discussion. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of debate about, you know, when and whether to um, let the SEC or FINRA or the states know you've identified a problem gathering information before they find it. And to Jeffrey's point, um, I would agree. I think you get a lot of credibility when you identify to them, hey, we noticed these issues. We wanted to let you know about it. Here's what we've done to fix those issues. I think you you get a lot of credibility. So I would, I would recommend doing it. I mean, I think it's important though to investigate that fully when you identify those issues, identify why they happened, identify any systems that may have caused them to go unidentified until the examination started, and make sure not just fixing the issue, but fixing some of the underlying reasons for the issue would go a long way as well. Yeah, I mean, I think whether it's a minor issue, those are pretty, those are pretty simple, but occasionally you'll come up with what you would consider to be a fairly major issue or a, a serious problem. And I think even then you're probably better off identifying it and bringing it to their attention or saying, you know, this is an issue and we're working on it or we've identified this and we're putting together a plan to correct it rather than ignoring it or hoping that they don't find it because chances are they are going to find it and you're going to be, if it's a significant issue, you're going to look even worse if you didn't bring it to their attention when you found it. Your thoughts, Evan? I, I don't think I have anything to add to that. Patrick, if I can just mention here, one of the things that I think is incumbent, and when I was a regulator, this is something that, that we had our examiners, supervisors, and so forth, make sure that they do, is that when a record request is made, when it was, you know, document when it was made, how it was made, what the nature of the conversation or the written documentation, and what the what the conversation was on the other side. Because I can tell you, if there was ever a question about records not being produced, there would always be a, a conversation with staff at, at my office uh, in the state of Florida, and at a mid-level or higher level person at the firm, we would talk about it, make all efforts to gain the information. There were situations where we just came to a situation where the records either wouldn't be or, or couldn't be produced and there are potential repercussions, whether it be SEC, Fender, or the states for failure to produce required and requested books and records. Thanks, Bill. like what you heard, make sure to follow the Oyster Stew podcast on whatever platform you listen to. If you'd like to learn how we can help firms start, run, protect, and grow their business, visit our website at oysterllc.com.